Hey, Richie. Welcome to the yeah. Audio Agenda broadcast. I'm your host, Lawrence Roberts. Today, we have uh, our guest on, uh, Richie Ogolnik. He's going to yeah, talk right. about his um, 29 years of experience with uh, using Ibogaine uh, as therapy for uh, people with addiction, for PTSD, and also for uh, th- um, spiritual exploration as well. The only thing I wanted to do is um, if you go to my channel on Spotify and click on the link, the support link, you can donate money to my channel to help pay for cost. But anyway, how you doing, Richie? I'm doing fine. Thanks Thanks for inviting me. I wanted to know, how did you originally get started with um, using Ibogaine to help people? Okay, yeah, sure. Um, Well, I was actually introduced to Ibogaine, which is the alkaloid. It's one of the active alkaloids located in the Tabernathi Iboga plant. Um, But I heard the word Ibogaine for the first time Thanksgiving week of 1989. And it was a very, it was a very strange and auspicious week. Um, For example, I was um, sitting up in in, uh, meditation and literally 11 seconds after I began, there were these, (laughs) these two entities that were like on both sides of me. And they were like, kind of not looking at me but looking at each other laughing like having the best time much a much better time than I was having at the time mm-hmm. I had pretty recently turned 40 and for 21 years I was um, uh, a craftsperson making simple jewelry and it was a very nice lovely way to help bring up a family but it wasn't an end in itself in my feeling it wasn't right it didn't make you fully happy right it wasn't yeah it wasn't right livelihood it wasn't a passion Um, I liked it but I was always surrounded by people friends who were therapists and irrespective of how little or how much money they made this was what was on their plate to do and I was looking for something like that and constantly looking and so when I heard the word I began and that it literally brings a person into a pre-addictive state without for example a person that's doing three grams of heroin does not have to go through the agony of withdrawal and there's a metabolite that fills up certain receptor sites like the opioids and the nicotine and the alcohol receptor sites. I was just so amazed that I immediately walked to the Herbarian Library at the University of Florida and I came across a one-page readout of a, a, a little corporation called NDA that was um, manned by a Howard Lotsoff. And I called Howard it's mentioned on Wikipedia on the on, if you look up Ibogaine on Wikipedia his name is is mentioned as one of the first people in America to work with it uh, starting in 1962 mm-hmm. he was the first person that um, had it available and he wasn't working with it 
but he was a 19-year-old heroin addict in 1972, yeah. living in uh, downtown Manhattan in the Village. And um, he told me that he received this dose from a chemist. And three and a half days later, he walked out of his apartment, looked up at a tree, and said it was the first time in his 19 years of life that he wasn't afraid. And then he continued walking towards Washington Square Park, and he realized he wasn't in narcotic withdrawal. He should have been agonizing. And so he went to the chemist and he said, "What was that you gave me?" And the chemist gave him five more doses that he shared with five of his friends, all addicts, and they all were placed into a, a pre-addictive state without going through. The pain of withdrawal and the craving was eliminated. However, most of them, being very, very young, relapsed because they didn't address yeah, the initial underlying cause of addiction. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't want to quit, like deep down, then no matter what you use to get off it for a little bit, you're. If you don't want to get clean, you're not. Going. But if, yeah. for our audience, if you guys don't know, ibogaine is a. Um, a shrub that grows in Central Africa, mainly comes for, from the Tabernantha iboga plant. It's a perennial shrub. Uh, it, it's indigenous to G Gabon, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and it's been used for thousands of years for ceremonies. Um, I, ibogaine is an atypical psychedelic alkaloid and has been subject of much research due to its ability to attenuate drug-seeking behavior, as Richie was just saying. Um, status, illegal to use or possess in the United States. It's a Schedule One drug, but it is legal in Brazil, South Africa, and New Zealand. And I know that you can go to clinics in Mexico and Canada for, for treatment there. And th there's also people in the United States that help uh, to like our, our, our guest here. Uh, the the pharmaceutical industry is, is probably trying to suppress therapies like this. It's something they can't make money off of. But, uh, okay, I'm sorry for cutting you off there. Uh-huh. Okay. So you were, um, they were, most of them ended up relapsing. You said that, 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 that took it. Uh, yes. And, and, but they, you know, they managed to, uh, you know, th over a period of several years, struggle and struggle, and then, and then, just like Howard, uh, they got clean. And it wasn't until the 1980s, the mid 80s, that Howard went back to his uh, his uh, experience and um, pursued finding um, a uh, a source for uh, a, at the time. It was in Belgium, and it was a semi-synthetic. Uh, it wasn't until later. Oh, so it was made in a lab. It was some for a while, yeah. For a, but, yeah. But then we, yeah. But then it was found. Uh, the organic source was found. Um, Howard didn't do that many sessions with people, but he was the the forerunner. He was he was like the godfather. Yeah, he's and, listed on Wikipedia as one of the first. Mm -hmm. He was the first, um, and. And then um, in 1989, when I received that hard packet 
of information, and uh, and my hairs were standing on end when I read the testimonials from now ex-addicts who had been placed into a pre-addictive state. I I realized that this was what I was looking for, and that I needed to go to、uh, Cameroon or Gabon.、Uh, so a couple of years later, with a sleeping bag and a mosquito net. I was on my way to Southern Cameroon、uh, because I thought, well, maybe the pygmies would、uh, deem me to be the harborer if they looked through me and around me. And yes, and, and there were other cultures that is well known for using、um, ibogaine in, in Central Africa. The pygmies. Go ahead. And so I, I ended up initially getting off the plane and. Going to a burnt-out university where there was a few thousand students walking around without any books, and professors were complaining to me that they hadn't been paid for a few months, and I didn't know where to go.、Uh, yeah. Most people spoke、uh, French, so I knocked on uh, uh, the organic chemistry department door, and a couple of guys answered the door, and they were playing cards, and I said, "Do you know anything about?" I began, and they said, "Come back tomorrow. I think there'll be somebody here that can help you." So I went back、uh, the next day, and I knocked on the door, and this six foot five, three hundred pound guy answered the door, and I said, "Do you know anything about I began?" And he looked at me and he said, "Where are you from?" I said, "The Bronx." He said, "What?" He said, "How did you find me? I'm the only chemist on the continent." That has perfected the extraction process during the last year and a half, and he literally is wow, so excited that he takes me. That, he、amazing. picks me up and, practically, and he takes me to、um, a 150-year-old wood chest, and he takes out a, a white a, a vial of 13 grams of ibogaine hydrochloride. It was entitled, and it was a white powder. And I said, That's "My goodness, can I, can I have it?" And、yeah. he said, "Well, I'll sell it to you for."、Uh, it was a little over a thousand dollars a gram. I said, "Well, I only have a few thousand in my pocket." He said, "That's okay. You can take this and come back when you need more." So、um, after ten days, I was on my way back to the Western Hemisphere with the first thirteen grams of ibogaine in the heel of my shoe. And a whole series, like the day, literally the day that I came back, was the day that a, a dear friend of mine, a therapist, had a, a 66-year-old client, an Englishman with a facial tick,、um, drop this out-of-print chapter that is、uh, uh, an out-of a chapter from an out-of-print book called The Healing Journey by Claudio Naranjo, a Chilean therapist. And the name of the chapter was "I Began Fantasy and Reality," and it documented 40 low to mid-range directive interactive sessions, therapy sessions with people under the influence of iboga, and it it helped us. Nobody knew that I was coming. Grams,、yeah. but just this this the series of synchronistic events that. Transpired that enabled this whole project to really have a life of its own, and after a very short time of 
running alongside of a of a, a project that um, a life of his own, and um, and uh, and for the first several years, it felt like that. So you were helping people, addicts, people with PTSD, and people that wanted、um, to experience it. Yeah, yeah. People came from all over the world, from Australia, even to do. I understand, audience.、Uh, Richard Elbonik is is the first person, well, probably the first person to bring ibogaine to the United States, 29 years ago.、Um, I, I wanted to add, uh, to, to say.、Um, It says、um, the ibogaine experience occurs in two phases. The first is a visionary phase, and the second is an introspective phase.、Mm-hmm. Uh, is that a true statement?、Um, not, not really. Not very clear. No. No.、Um, no. The the way that I work is is very different to the to the way that I used to work for many many years when. We all,、um, and so initially, I was. People were coming, and and a lot of people were staying in my hometown for years after they received their treatments, and they would help me, and I would train them, and then they would go to、uh, whether it's、uh, Mexico or Central America or Europe, and and they would open up centers, do sessions with people. Um, both above and underground, and、um, and initially we flood dosed. We we gave people the medicine all at once, so that it felt like you were going 200 miles off of a cliff, but living to talk about it. So the first few hours was so fast and furious. They were like cardiac risks, cardiovascular risks. Well, let let me just finish. There was hundreds and hundreds of. Pictorial gestalts and archetypal vignettes, and so what I've done recently is I is I I give the medicine very gradually, so that people can walk to the bathroom, they can sip their own water, they don't throw up,、um, and yet they still slip under the covers with their eyes closed in a very deep, self-reflective state for between. Fifteen and thirty hours, depending upon the person. It's it's basically a it's a long thirty six hour experience, but it's yeah, much long, more gentle experience for a psychedelic.、Uh, like I've done mushrooms, it's about a, a six to eight hour experience. This is the longest. It's the granddaddy of psychoactive,、yeah. and and because of the metabolite that fills up the receptor sites that doesn't wash out of certain receptor sites. For many many weeks, it's a whole. The opioid receptor sites. Sorry. Does it does it get to the opioid receptor sites? The opioid, nicotine, alcohol, receptor sites.、Um, so that's why it's been researched so heavily for、um, addictions. That's one of the reasons. Yeah. But I read that from 1990 to 2004, 19 people died from cardiovascular. Problems、um, that they think was because of ibogaine. I'm guessing that was from someone who was treating. Oh, it was a clinical trial、um, uh, from 1990 to 2004, and 19 people died.、Uh, it wasn't the clinical trial where the people died. No, it's it's when people it's when people self-medicate and they have a pre.、Uh, Everyone that 
that does iboga, even for uh, psycho-spiritual and therapeutic intentions when they do much, much less of the medicine um, and they're much healthier going into a session, still must receive an EKG. And if the EKG doesn't indicate these couple of red flags that we're looking for very closely, then the person is absolutely good to go and iboga is... So when somebody self-medicates and doesn't do anything, they don't know the amount of medicine that they're taking. And that's, you know, you have to be very careful with. Yes, but compared to other drugs, like 1992, that's before only 19 people dying. Um, it says ibogaine can cause a long QT syndrome at higher doses. So you just have to be careful of the that's dose. Right. But, but um, thousands and thousands of people die from heroin overdoses. Um from 1990 to wow. 2004, probably up in the to the millions of people have, have either overdosed or died from from heroin or other opiates. Well, especially since just, 2004. Uh, yeah, because the epidemic had nearly fentanyl into the yes, yeah, into the public, uh, into the heroin. Not only the heroin, but even the marijuana. Is is laced uh, 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 they, They're adding, yeah, they're adding uh, fentanyl. So it's really dangerous. I mean, intrinsically, it's interesting. Pure, pure heroin is actually a very healthy drug. I mean, yes, heroin into their eighties and nineties, but it's it's cut with all those terrible things that makes it really dangerous. Yes, it's it's um. Morphine and heroin are natural derivatives from the poppy plant. So, but so 29 years ago, you you were introduced to ibogaine. So you have a website now that's called ibeginagain.org. For my audience, that's, that's right. ibeginagain.org. It's Richie Ugalnik's website. I believe your phone number's on there to contact you. Oh yes, and I like I like the phone. I'm old school, so yeah, please anyone can just call if you have any questions. Um, um, just feel can they free set to up get therapeutic sessions with you? Are they able to do all that set up sessions? If, if, yes. If, if, okay. So I begin again.com. I'll list that on the, in or, the description. Not, not of the as well. Okay. It's I begin again. Yes. Dot org. All right. So yeah, uh, <laughs> you, you treat patients with um, post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. Uh, yeah, I have a very, a very interesting article from one, uh, a friend now, who um, was really struggling with a severe case of post-traumatic stress from the Iraq War, and I remember him telling me he had a young, three-year-old son and a juice glass. With table and he would literally be right hysterical crying on the floor in front of his three-year-old he was just really severely impaired and it took us a few years to get him to Costa Rica so that he can do a treatment and he's wonderful now 
five gardens um, and he's working uh, um, you know people that are struggling with post-traumatic stress but his symptoms are gone it's not iboga is not the only psychoactive that that takes care of uh, post-traumatic stress very well there are other psychoactives that do as well but I began yes, certainly one of them it's just one it's a magic mushroom uh, something I grow on occasion it, it actually contains contain serotonin serotonin within the flesh other magic mushrooms um, they'll, they'll release serotonin in your brain but panola sinensis is a variety that actually contains serotonin in its flesh so um, I've tried it. it it's a very energetic happy trip and it's very few people have bad trips on panola sinensis it is a species though that has to have manure to grow uh, unlike psilocybate cubensis where you can just use uh, cocoa coir and pasteurize it with boiling water with the, the cyanensis you have to um, properly pasteurize the manure but it, it is a it's a very healing psychedelic as well cubensis is too actually i think so I was going to ask you um, any, any other any other interesting stories you have uh, of, of treating people what's the longest person you, you've had to deal with to, to, to get a breakthrough or, or something to treat mm -hmm. the, the issue and, and what do you mostly encounter from people do they want you usually um, help with addiction or is it usually a spiritual experience they're looking for what, what is the most common case that you get well now now after years of working with addicts um, and also psychospiritual and therapeutic personally I'm only doing uh, the, the psychotherapeutic and the spiritual sessions and okay. that entails spending weeks literally and many hours over a period of several conversations on the phone with someone before their session clarify two specific intentions, two things they want to explore and work through. And what I'm noticing and what, what I'm really thrilled about is that these last couple of years of including spending hours on the phone with people before and is apparently contributing to people having much deeper life transformative experiences. People come to me having done ayahuasca 53, yes. 72 times, wow. uh, lots of psilocybin, and they've never done Zyboga is notorious for being too expensive and dangerous. And I'm just cutting through that because it's not dangerous if it's done correctly. And uh, and it's not expensive. It doesn't have to be. And I don't charge nearly that's as what, much as that's everyone else. The podcast is, is this this guy here, uh, Richie, isn't some bum off the streets. He's been working with Ibogaine for, for 30 years. So um, he knows what he's doing. But do I, I would not do it on your own. Uh, no. You, have someone who uh, an expert with you when you're doing it right 
you, yeah, like, yeah. You need to have somebody. Like, yeah, iboga is unlike any other psychoactive. Um, it, people don't do iboga more often than two or three times in a lifetime. So when somebody does iboga, it's like the beginning. It's almost like the introduction of a new language. And over a period of weeks and months, there's a, a there's an assimilation and an understanding that goes on. People often call me six to eight months later and they say all my intentions have been explored and worked through and maybe I'll consider doing it again in a year. So it's it's not something you do once a week or, or once a month. Just a couple, two or three times in your lifetime? Yeah. What I would yeah, love to experience it here, here in Pittsburgh. I have never come across um, Ibogaine and I actually didn't know much no. about it. Tom Lane told me about you and said I should get uh, you on the show. Uh, do you know so, Tom Lane? I I met him once. Yeah. Yeah. I he wrote a book here in town. Yeah, he's. Yeah, he, I'm familiar with his work. Yeah. Yes, he's a very uh, prolific um, mm-hmm. psychedelic expert, and he he wrote a book, Sacred Mushroom Rituals, which which we talked about, but. Uh, he 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 mentioned off the air that I should get you on the show, and I tried to last year, and um, mm. it, it didn't work out. But I'm I'm glad to have you on. It's, oh, thanks. Uh, for addicts, uh, Pittsburgh, we're, we're having uh, a very big problem with people from the early 2000s that went through the opioid ep- epidemic. Now mm-hmm. that are stuck on the streets on heroin. Um, I, I think the answer might be ibogaine. It is nowhere to be found here, though. So um, <laughs> if there's anyone suffering with addiction out there, I think Richie Ogalnik is the person you would want to contact at ibegin.org. Um, I begin again. You can also contact me at audioagenda2 at gmail.com. I can help. I am a recovering addict. I, um, April 24th, 2004, I got clean when I was uh, 21 years old. So I, I, um, went, hmm. went, I went cold turkey. But once you're ready to stop, you, you have to be ready. You can't mm-hmm. do it first for, for anybody but yourself. And I realized, uh, I was 21, I realized that it wasn't the life I wanted to live. And I quit just in time too, because um, everything got more violent on the streets that I was acquiring my um, my heroin. So yes, I celebrated 18 years on the on the 24th. Will be 18 years sober for me. I live a clean life. I don't even drink alcohol, but I do like psychedelics. I'm an expert in growing psilocybin cumensis and uh, panola sinensis mushrooms, but I do not sell them. Um, sometimes I'll give them to my friends, but um, I just grow for myself, you know, and some uh, for some of my friends, in case any police are listening, I, you know, I don't, I'm not a dealer or nothing, but all right, so ibegin.com is, is Richie's site. Again, um, it's not ibegin.com, uh, it's ibegin.com, I-B-E-G. I-N-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. I'm sorry, I keep getting that wrong. I begin again dot com. Not dot com, dot org. Dot org. 
I'll put that in the description Thanks. of the of the show. So I appreciate you coming on the podcast, Richie, and maybe we'll have you back sometime. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Oh, I can go on for two hours. Two hours. <laughs> I would love to hear about some of your cases dealing with 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 um, the addiction aspect in Ibogaine. If, if you uh, had any success treating any um, opiate addicts or well, everyone that does everyone that does the game the isolated alkaloid is the best for the addiction interruption treatments because it more metabolite to the receptor site the iboga is great to use because it has synergy and it's more of a full spectrum of the plant and that's beautiful to use for the psycho-spiritual sessions uh, because it lends to clarification, a deeper clarification of intentions. So these are complete goals, uh, uh, sharing the medicine with completely different people with two different intentions. One for addiction interruption and one to you know deconstruct the ego and to see the interconnecting thread how we falsely define ourselves and create a separate sense of which creates suffering so that's the cycle spiritual um, you know there's there's a lot to talk about before and after the session sometimes i'm on the phone with someone for three days and and a half years after the session and, and I I don't have any time right? like it's an unlimited amount of time that I have for people before and after the um, the 48 hour I know when I got clean in 2004 I couldn't just I got, I got clean cold turkey but I, I had to go to therapy you know there was a lot of stuff yeah. I had to deal with um, there's a yeah. lot of tr- trauma that I, I had to deal with, and um, I had learned that from a from an addiction specialist told me that uh, they call them dry drunks. They quit drinking, but they they don't get to the root of the problem of why they yeah. they drank so much. So I, I, I saw a therapist for years, um, and, yeah. and found out found out why I self medicated at such a young age. Yeah. And, and re- it was um yeah addiction has so it was i i'm not good at socializing with people it was an escape from reality it was also something to kind of loosen me up just to meet women and girls and stuff and then it turned into a full-blown addiction once um i tried the the heroin which was i was so this is something i I want to share this is something i'd you go okay Uh, most of the people that have an abandonment issue and some have an abandonment issue, some kind of an emotional and or physical break with the opposite sex parent. And the, the thing with addicts is that they tend to be more sensitive and more intelligent than the average therapist. And so it's really easy for them in the name of therapy to be looking uh, into some and the therapist thinks that thinks that they're doing some really deep work, but they're really not. They're just manipulating and controlling the relationship. So what it necessitates is for the for the person 
for the person that wants to wade through and find out and you know explore they have to find a therapist that they really admire and respect that's then they don't have control of the relationship then all bets are off and they can really explore some deep painful issues you know very few people know what really meaningful therapy looks like because they haven't found the right therapist so and i'm not i'm not that person i'm just a few people that are so good and they're so smart and they're so sensitive that they really help people very 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 well and so that's a really important component just like what you did you know what you did was just what was what you needed and what most addicts need to stay you know to stay clean the first therapist i ended up leaving i was a woman i felt more comfortable with a man uh, so i found, I found a, a male therapist and, and uh, got to the root of, of my problems over um it was more than a year of uh-huh. a, session, a session every other week with him yeah that's good here i'm still in therapy but but um it's more just talking about everyday things now i, I don't get into to very deep things anymore um, mm-hmm. I'm, I, i consider myself healed and i'm content with my mm-hmm. life okay um, yeah again i begin again.org i'm, I'm, I'm going to put it in the description of the episode but yeah i feel like i've gotten to the core of, of why i was so tortured as a a young young man like in my late teens and early 20s uh, i see my therapist now and we just talk about how was my week and mm-hmm. nothing too deep i'm very very grateful the last horrible thing that happened was uh february i had to put my dog down just uh, i had to put mm-hmm. him to sleep um and he was he was uh 10 years old he had a uh, heart disease heart disease so it was very hard <laughs> yeah, that was really sad yeah he was um probably my best friend i probably never bonded with a human as much as i bonded with that dog very I get that a lot from uh dogs and their and their friends that yeah. uh, it's very beautiful very loving He was suffering, you know, so I, I didn't want to let him die naturally because he was just suffering too much. Sure. Sure, but I think it, that should apply to people as well. That's no, I agree. I, I, I totally agree. I don't I don't understand why they make people have a that are terminally ill die a horrible death but the but I animal kill a Facebook. I have a Facebook forum called supporting our choice to die supporting our choice to die and uh and we explore uh this specific issue i'm going to um, check into that supporting our choice it's a facebook group yeah it's a forum yep on facebook yes because i believe uh, in euthanasia for terminally ill people that are suffering um should be legal my grandfather who was in world war 2 um 93 year old 3 years old on his deathbed I remember uh, I was there he uh, he asked for a pint of water and they wouldn't let him have it because mm-hmm. he kept throwing it up and I thought just give it to him he's dying he, uh, let him have water uh, 
he was in World War II. I mean, and mm-hmm. World War II, he, they forced people. He was drafted at 18 years old. He didn't have a choice. So. He, 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 he lived a, a good life, quit smoking cigarettes, and lived to be 93. But yeah, euthanasia for humans, I believe, should be legalized. Um, you remember Dr. Kevorkian? I sure do. Yeah, he, he was crucified for putting people out of their misery. And uh, at the time, I didn't understand. I was too young, but now I understand he was he was on the probably on the right track. Uh, it's not right for, uh, to let people suffer like that when they're going to die anyway and they're ready to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, they're forced to do it. And I think it goes back to religious reasons. It's like... Um, Committing mm-hmm. suicide, I guess, but but um, if there is a God, and there probably is, I don't think you would consider that committing suicide. I think he, he would understand. Um, I completely concur with you. <laughs> All right, Richie. Well, it was really nice having you on again. I begin again. Dot org. It'll be in the description, and also, guys, on my channel, um, there's a link. It says support. You click on it, and you can donate. Um, some money to my podcast uh, to help um, with my editing and my equipment help uh, pay my bills so well thanks for inviting me uh, it's yeah. been it's been a nice chat and uh, yeah, we'll, have you, we'll have you on again soon sounds good thank you very much take care uh, Rich, Richie you're gone like everyone bye Lawrence Roberts signing out <laughs>